Good morning. Our ushers have Bibles. If you don't have one today, just connect with them as they walk the aisles. If you're not familiar with me, my name is Nicholas Todd, and I serve on the pastoral team here at LEFC. I'm so glad you're here this morning. We continue our series today, Encounter Jesus, which is a series on portions of the Gospel of John where we're considering the encounters Jesus had with others, the words he said, and how he, how Jesus undoes people's expectations on himself by creating a moment they didn't expect. The foundation for, for this, this paradigm, for these par- this, this paradigm-changing encounters with Jesus begins in chapter 1 of John. We have read and, and heard that Jesus is the light of the world. And continuing in our series, that, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. After that, we heard that uh, he is the Messiah, that Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is the light of the world. That Jesus is before Abraham. That Jesus is the door. And that Jesus is the good shepherd. Today our driving verse is John eleven twenty five, When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I want to read through most of chapter 11 together. We'll be in John 11. So please turn there. And uh, bring it up in your, in your favorite Bible app, if that's what you use. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, ding, 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 John. Uh, if you use one of the Usher's Bibles, that's uh, page 1005. Find your spot. I'd love for you to put your hand there. Put your bulletin there. Take a deep breath. Pray with me. Lord, what a gift today that uh, we're able to worship together. That as a community, we can, we can come and be centered on who you are. Lord, I pray today that in our song, that in our teaching, and in our reflection, it would all be worship. I pray just as you have as you have done in my heart over the last weeks and months regarding this text, would you, would you start to, to, for my own life, continue to, to work away those calluses that prevent me from seeing who you are fully? Lord, I pray for us as a church, we might have an in-depth understanding of, of who you are and your completeness. Lord, I believe we earnestly desire to follow you. Change our hearts, change our minds. Might we grow in our maturity? Would you be here in our presence today? In the holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We're in chapter 11, starting in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 44. Follow along with me. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were try- there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, 
and that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It's John 11, 1 through 44. And at this juncture in our text today, we have a wide awareness of what's going on when Jesus said he was the resurrection and the life. The details and dialogue make this passage incredibly rich. So I want to take a closer look at it. In the first six verses, it is established that Jesus gets word that a family he is close to, a family he loves, a family that has lived their life with Jesus in their midst, where they've shared meals together, laughed together, hurt together, worked together, traveled together. Jesus gets word that someone in that family is sick. And the news wasn't, hey, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. It's, it was Jesus, the one you love is sick. This love, this word that's used here in Greek is phileo, love. I wrote an email to LEFC's elder chair, Fred Eberly, about our congregational meeting. Um, I wrote it a couple weeks ago, and I ended the email with phileo, love, Nicholas. I don't know exactly why that was my way of, of, of signing off, but it felt right, felt a little silly. And I think I messed up, though. As much as I see our elder chair, Fred, as a brother in Christ, we don't have that depth of relationship that I believe Jesus had with Lazarus and his sisters. This, this love connection is so important and so deep, it is why Jesus did not go back to heal Lazarus. Let me say that again. This love connection is so important and it's so deep. It is why Jesus did not go back to heal Lazarus. How does that make sense? Hear this, starting in verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Our so here is a conjunction, a conjunction defined by schoolhouse rock hooks up words and phrases and clauses. It links thoughts together. And verse five and six are explicitly linked through the use of this conjunction. Another common translation for the Greek word in this usage is therefore. Hear it again. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister in Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that, that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was and did not travel to see them. We have the answer for why Jesus behaves this way. That's in verse 4, when Jesus said, It is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. So, in this situation, the most loving thing According to the scripture here, the most loving thing that Jesus could do was let Lazarus die and have Martha and Mary respond, feel the grief, the hurt, because there was something greater yet on the horizon that Jesus knew 
but they hadn't quite gotten yet. It was for God's glory that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus see who Jesus really was. These were followers of Jesus. But it was for God's glory that they needed to see who Jesus really was so that they could know what his love meant for all of humankind. Related to this love and still in the Gospel of John, we have a verse that is frequently memorized in life. We even heard it in the baptism video. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's a good one to know. But what is eternal life? Still in the book of John, with the words of Jesus, we have chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that people know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom God the Father sent for us. How do we know Jesus Christ? Encounter him more deeply and more truly. And here Jesus is about to bring something new. He's gonna bring something we've never seen before. But we are still in the tension of hearing that this sickness, this suffering that the Mary, Martha, Lazarus family is experiencing brings glory to God. I want to skip to verse 17 in chapter 11. There's great stuff between 7 and 16 for a later time for you. You know what it says. We read it earlier. A summary, Lazarus dies. Jesus talks with his disciples, and they start the journey to Lazarus and sisters who are in the town of Bethany. This is going to be verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replies, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Okay, so Lazarus is dead. He's been in the tomb for four days. Martha heard that Jesus was on his way, and, he, and she goes out to meet Jesus on the road, leaving Mary, her sister, behind. Martha's on the road. Mary's left back home. It hasn't even been a full week yet, which means Martha and Mary are mourning the loss of their brother. I believe, I speculate, that they are in their week long mourning period called sitting shiva. Repeat after me, sitting shiva. Oh, one more time, sitting shiva. Okay, shiva in Hebrew means seven, and sitting shiva is seven days of mourning. This is also in the Old Testament book of Job. 
In just Job chapter 1, Job loses his oxen, his sheep, his camels, his donkeys, his servants are murdered, and his sons and daughters have a house collapse on them, and they all die. And in Job 2, 13, three friends come to visit him. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Sitting Shiva with Job or sitting Shiva with Martha and Mary. This is a period of despair, of lamenting. It's followed by a time of of community support, comforting you and discussing your loss. During Shiva, you stay at home. Everyone comes to you. Martha did not stay home. And who is Martha? I want this to be an additional note on Martha. Some know the story of Jesus staying in the home of Martha and Mary. Martha was fulfilling her role as best she knew it. She was doing exactly what culture and hospitality and her world told her she needed to do when a guest was in her home. She had so many things to prepare. She had chores to finish and food to make. And then she sees her sister Mary not helping her, not following the roles and boundaries she thought were the rules of our creator. Where was Mary found? Mary was found sitting and learning at the feet of Jesus. Martha in this story, the, the, the one I just said, Martha follows the rules, but not this time. Sitting Shiva, seven days of sitting and mourning, days of wondering where was Jesus, days of wondering why Jesus didn't come help her sick brother, a man that Jesus loved. She didn't want to. Have you ever cared for someone dying? Sometimes it can be easier if the person has lived a long life. I don't get the sense that Lazarus lived a long life. Which means Martha cared for her youngish, middle-aged, able-bodied brother until his body started to bloat a little. His breathing became irregular. And then it went from irregular to all of his efforts were just to breathe. Don't worry, Lazarus. Jesus will fix this. Don't worry, Lazarus. Jesus loves you. And then Jesus is a no-call, no-show. And Lazarus dies. Therefore, when Martha got word that Jesus was on the way, finally she took to her own two feet to move towards Jesus. She had to reconcile this idea that Jesus loved her brother, that Jesus loved her family, but but thinking that my experience right now does not align with how I understand love. She experienced something, a darkness, a difficulty, and wondered, where was Jesus in it all? Because he sure wasn't with her in that moment. 
So she greets him on the road with this in her head. She greets him on the road with her past of her brother dying. And now in the present, she says it to him. If you loved me, if you were good, if you were kind, if you were for me, if you were for my family, my brother would not have died. (laughs) Do you believe this? Martha talking to a rabbi, but not any rabbi. Martha talking to Jesus that way. It's hot. It's a little too hot. So she cools it off. We have verse 22. She says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I I think her pain is deep and it's real. And I speculate that her commentary here is superficial to nurse the injury she just delivered to Jesus. She knows about water to wine. She knows about healing the sick. She knows about feeding 5,000 people. She knows about Jesus walking on water. She knows about healing a man born blind. Death to life? She doesn't know that. Not yet. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. That's what she says. And I think she's talking to herself. She's coaching herself. She is sending herself sympathy cards and trying to remember what she believes. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus' words to Mary are received in a way that connects her with her pharisaical beliefs, what she has been taught about the future, a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. Hey, real quick, there's two schools of thought on, on, on resurrections, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Sadducees didn't believe in a future resurrection. Pharisees believe in a world where all God's people from ancient times to the present would be given new bodies to share and relish the life of the new creation. That's the Christian belief as well. What a bunch of Pharisees we are. Amen? Mary's thoughts are rigid here, but they're right. Her thoughts are right, but they're not complete. I hear verse 24 flat. I know Jesus, I know what I've been taught. Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection in the future at the last day. And Jesus responds to this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus pulls the Jesus card. This is is a major encounter with Jesus that hasn't been seen before and brings us one step closer to some future things. Jesus here is challenging the expectations of someone that says they are one of his, that says they are one of the sheep in the pen. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is crazy talk. And she misses the meaning, which is reasonable. She had never heard anything like this before. Uh, Let's talk about crazy talk. Um, I have some crazy talk in my home, Um, just some automated responses that I give. I I don't always give them because sometimes it can be overdone. Um, I'm sure you have them too. Most families have something like this. In my home, when a child or an adult says, guess what, there's only one reasonable answer. Chicken butt. 
Do you hear the rhyming? Guess what? Chicken butt. I can do where, I can do why, I got them all. My children now just move right along, almost as if it doesn't matter, I delivered something so eloquently and beautifully. Another one I've used for a while in my family is when one of my children, they might say something like, I love avocados. I would then respond by, by leaning in, talking real softly, kind of a heart-to-heart, where I'd tell them the story of how before they were born, I almost named them Avocado. My sweet little avocado Todd. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an avocado. It could be anything. Um, but if the person says out loud that they love it, well, that was the thing that I almost named them when they were born. Speaking of avocados, and perhaps a little bit closer to our text right now, my wife and I were working out the dinner plan last week when she texted me to pick up avocados if I could. And of course, the answer is yes. But if she already knows that, I go for gold and I say, you're an avocado. This is the mature conversation between me and my wife. And folks, that is my dad joke trinity strategy. Take it if you want. Chicken butt, almost your name, and call them the thing they love. And there's a level to crazy, uh, there's just a level of crazy to it. I know it doesn't make sense, but I think I might be able to justify it because of the behavior of Jesus. Follow me now how crazy this sounds. Martha says about her brother, because of what she believes, she says, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection in the last days. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection. Jesus says he is the resurrection. Martha had never heard this before. What does that even mean? My wife can't be an avocado. How can someone be the resurrection? This was a moment for Martha. Because resurrection isn't just a doctrine. It isn't just a future fact. It's a person. And that person is standing right in front of her, trying to draw her in so that she can make a leap of faith where she can trust and she can hope. I believe this was the message for Martha, for Mary, and for Lazarus, where Lazarus had lost his life. Martha and Mary had lost someone in their family, and in their mourning and doubt, there was this space they could finally see heaven come down. They had to slow down, and that is what I believe for me and for all of us, for us to perceive Christ in our world around us, for us to perceive Christ in creation, for us to experience a greater fullness of the glory of the Lord, we sometimes have to be stripped down. We have to slow down. Why did Mary and Martha slow down? The illness and death of their brother. Where else does something like this exist in Scripture? I want to go to the very beginning of I am statements in scripture. I want to go to Moses and the burning bush. That's what we're going to talk about. And for a future study reference, this is in Exodus 3. Moses, as we most often think about him, is high. He's commanding. He's the leader of his people. He's the deliverer. He's the man who would get to shout down Pharaoh. The man who speaks to God face to face. But that wasn't who Moses always was. 
In the middle of his life, Moses was none of these things. He was a forgotten man with a scandalous past. And as a forgotten man, now married, as a shepherd in the desert, he was stripped down by the desert. He is finally open to seeing and beholding the wonders of the one true God. (sighs) He sees a bush on fire that was not burning up. He goes to look at it and he hears his name, Moses, Moses, from the fire. Slips his shoes off. Here's the voice of the Lord. I am sends him into the world and the world has changed forever. When we think of the burning bush, I would say, who cares about the bush? The bush is just a bush. It was at this place, though, that Moses was awakened to the presence of God. After everything being stripped away in his life, he could identify God in that place. What if Pharaoh, the tormentor of Israel, had walked by at that exact same moment? Would he have seen a burning bush? I asked my nine-year-old this question. He responded that Pharaoh would have missed it. Out of the mouths of babes. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, a poet, writes, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. The bush still burns, church. Can you see it? Do you believe it? Moses was stripped to nothing in a desert so that he could see God. Martha and Mary, in their difficulty with the care of a sick brother, with the death of their brother, they were stripped down so they could see who Christ ultimately was. Now, Jesus eventually connects with the other sister. He connects with Mary. She asks the same question as Martha. Where were you? The Jews that were there, the community there to mourn with Martha and Mary, they see and know that Jesus loves this family. But even they ask, could not this man who healed a blind man have kept Lazarus from dying? Couldn't he have just healed the sick Lazarus? And so at the tomb of Lazarus, sisters worried about the smell of the tomb. The King James Version says it would stinketh. The mourning community following in mystery, Jesus has the stone moved from the mouth of the tomb and prays out loud, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Lazarus, come out. And they got it. Martha, Mary, Lazarus, the witnesses. The resurrection isn't just a doctrine. The resurrection is a person standing right in front of them. One that came to give a life that they had never known. Do you believe this? Like Martha, I say yes. 
And like every person that was with Jesus that day, I don't always see what is right in front of me. I don't often hear the words spoken to me. I don't always hear the words that even I profess. I put limits on the power of Jesus, not intentionally. I just sometimes forget the completeness of our Savior. And then, in the stillness, I am once again awakened, resurrected. And remember that Jesus is the past, that Jesus is the future, and that Jesus is right now. And I run. I run to his voice. The book of John, the author, John, does a great work looking at the miracles and signs of Jesus. He does a remarkable job numbering the early miracles by name. Water to wine, one. Healed an official's son, two. Then healing the sick, feeding 5,000, walking on water, healing the blind. And now, the seventh. A man raised from the dead. Any guess what the next major miracle is in the book of John? It'll be a new day for all. A new creation where the word made flesh rises up from his own tomb. Do you believe this? Pray with me. Lord, I pray for all of us that we can have a slowness of soul. That we can have a stillness of mind. That we could be awakened in our stillness and in that slowness to your presence on this earth. Not just remembering the past. Not just a future hope. But right now, right here with every present step. That you are here with us that you are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, I, I, Lord, I ask that no one lose a family member for this. I ask that it not take the death of someone we love to give us that space, to give us that stillness. Lord, ultimately, it's for your glory that we know who you are. Lord, I ask that you strip away the things that prevent us from me hearing you call our name. I ask that for me, for the band, for every person listening, that you do it, that me, we might have a, a fuller glimpse of your glory. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand. We're going to sing of the resurrected king, the gift that he's given to us. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my 
I would love to talk with you after the service. If you want, if you want to talk about some of these things, I, I'd be happy to pray for you if you want someone to pray for you. Have you heard about our encounter room? We have, we have an encounter room uh, towards the back of our sanctuary where there are people there that will stand with you, that will sit with you and pray for what's, what's hitting you in your life. They're there to worship with you. Consider going there as well. You know, today, Martha did answer Jesus' question. The question being, do you believe? Martha said he was the Messiah, still limiting the work that Jesus could do. What ways are you professing your faith in Jesus, but limiting his work? There are three things I'd love for you to reflect upon in light of our John 11 passage. One, what, what, what has happened to you this year that feels like death, but it's actually God's invitation to you to behold his glory? Do you believe it? Number two, how can you cultivate a slowness of soul and a stillness of mind? And number three, I, I asked this the last time I preached too, something for you to reflect upon. When are you most alert to God's presence and activity in you, around you, and through you? Do you celebrate those moments? Or do you feel something else? Jesus is the one who can awaken us. When he said he was the resurrection and life, he followed it up with a question we all need to answer. Do you believe? Receive this blessing, this benediction. May God's grace and mercy help us identify those things that prevent stillness in our lives. May Christ, I am, the word made flesh, the resurrection, the life, inch our hearts closer to him. And may the Holy Spirit awaken us to the presence of God in the mundane and ordinary so that we might experience the extraordinary. It's been good worshiping with you this morning. We have baptisms that will follow second service today. Let's continue our worship. I'll see you next week.